Welcome to Navigating Your Financial Journey with Kelly and Matt from Palomar Wealth. In this podcast, we help individuals and families who are ready to create stability for now, security for the future, and flexibility for those moments that change life's trajectory. Please join us as we plot the course towards financial success. Welcome to Navigating Your Financial Journey. This is Matt. And Kelly's here again. Today's topic is going to be around uh, things to consider when you are going to be having a child or maybe adopting a child. Uh, kind of, This is still, I'd say, in that could be early but mid-career range. Definitely, uh, yeah. A, a wide variety of right. options there. Yeah. Um, we've got some data figures to share just to kind of give some ballpark on, you know, averages around cost uh, for taking care of kids um, and then breaking it up into a couple different categories of things to consider uh, as you approach that and impacts to your budget, um, different life event based things like getting changes to life insurance and and so on and so on. So we'll we'll go through several topics. I just want to say as a start off that it's not really a financial decision. I think that's part of your decision. But I think having a child is more than, you know, just the numbers. Um, if you ever watched the show Parks and Rec, if you remember um, <laughs> them figuring out uh, the characters, uh, main characters, Amy Poehler's, um, what was his name, Ben, yeah. in the show, uh, Leslie and Ben figuring out that they were having triplets. <laughs> and he about <laughs> lost his mind because he was in a spreadsheet and figuring out, oh, no, what's going to happen? We can't afford this. But it's more than that. And so we definitely want to just put that in the front of your mind is that's not the only part of the conversation. Right. But on your financial side, we want to make sure you feel well prepared on some of the considerations there. So um, from a 2015 study uh, that broke down the cost of raising a child in Illinois, so it's specific to our state, um, they found that the average cost per year was between 15.5 and 17.5 thousand dollars. So um, a lot of that's tied up in housing, which is about 29 percent, almost five thousand dollars in housing costs. Now, I would say that nowadays in 2023, more often we try, I think, to let our kids have uh, a more independent space. I think it's just more of a cultural thing. And so it's often found that kids have their own bedrooms. And so that probably increases the size uh, square footage that we're purchasing depending on the size of our uh, family. So it's not always been that way. And Matt and I were kind of discussing that. We were reminiscing, reflecting on our, both of our personal experience growing up as kids and and we both had spent time with siblings in the same bedroom yeah, roommate and, siblings <laughs> yeah, um, I mean we both eventually did have our own separate spaces but yeah I yeah. think like Kelly said is has that been somewhat of a cultural shift of everyone having their own space yeah. and I'm sure that's not blanket across the board right. and you know absolutely accepting there's different styles and different situations especially if you can't afford a larger home you're still going to want to welcome that child into your life. So you just make them fit. And mm-hmm. kids actually might end up, you know, kind of a different personality if they're roommates their whole life versus right. uh, <laughs> versus being solo in their own room. So it's just interesting to think about. Um, outside of that, food is about 18% of that, 2700 to $3,000. Transportation, I mean, you've got that car anyway. But yeah. maybe you had to buy a bigger car. That was well, about just, 15%. Just buying the uh, car seats is... Well, that's true. That's true. And that's another thing that I don't know if you remember. I was born in 1981, and our car seats were 
definitely different. It looked like a basket. <laughs> and I don't think there was much of a belt situation. So they've definitely come a long way in terms of safety, but also cost because that has def- you know increased. Not complaining. I'm glad our kids are safer. But yeah, do you remember rolling around in the back seat? Yeah, of like a I, I was third just, row. I was thinking it's like I don't think <laughs> there's any wagon. car manufacturer today that uh, you've got the kids' seats that look out the rear window. I don't think those. No, I don't think but, they exist anymore. But I did it. Yep, yep. And you know, a lot of people say, "Well, I made it." And, I'm glad there's safer things out there for for kids now. Um, healthcare is about nine percent of those costs. Education, sixteen percent, and that has a lot to depend on where you live. You know, do you send your kid to private school, mm-hmm. or are there additional uh, costs associated with the school you choose? Um, and then just other other seven percent. So there's a lot of options, a variety, uh, different places people could be spending their money. But I think that's a good place to start is your budget, because when you have children, you know you will be increasing your budget. What you could live on as a couple is going to be a lot different than what you need for, right. for a child. So, right. Matt, let's talk through that a little bit. How has the budget changed? Yeah, since so you, you definitely <laughs> need to think about some new categories that are going to come into play. Um, talking about food, probably the obvious one. Even if you're a mom, you're breastfeeding, you got to keep in mind that you're probably consuming more food to keep up with that. Yeah, uh, supply. 500 calories a day. And so, you know, it's it's going to carry over into the food budget. Or if you're doing formula-based, you know, there's just the cost of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then very quickly they start eating the, their own food. So they, um, yep. they become picky and then you've got to buy particular. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on your family, yeah. yeah. Uh, you might have some specific things that you know, all right, I'm going to make sure my kid eats something. So you get your chicken nugget budget uh, increases because yeah. that's what they'll eat for lunch. <laughs> but um, other categories, thinking about diaper expense, clothing expense, uh, and some things that you can consider though to, to maybe help control that is you know we often like to hit up garage sales. There are several oh, yes. local consignment sales that happen here in the Peoria area. Uh, but wherever you are, you know, people on Facebook Marketplace, mm-hmm. um, shops that, that do consignment sales are another great avenue for getting um, some discounts on, on some of those items. Especially when they're so young. The right. length of time they actually right. used so any, any item is yeah. so short that used is really like barely used. <laughs> so I've had several things that have gone through multiple families that we continue to pass down just because it's, you know, still still holding up. Kelly has gifted us many bags of, of clothes. Yeah, so but your daughter's catching up to my daughter, even though she's three years younger. She's much taller. Yes. So there, there's maybe going to be a day where I'm getting the hand-me-downs. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking maybe we're going to send you the shoes. Yeah, I do have some, some of those for you, too. But, yeah, I think um, that's a big important factor to consider is not everything has to be brand new. I think there's also a level of kind of a have have not situation where people will dress their kids and think the kids do not care what they're wearing they don't care what brand they're wearing they often are most comfortable in something that is cotton and stretchy and especially when they're really little like people will go out and buy brand name shoes for a baby that is not walking and it's just it kind of makes me giggle so take that with a grain of salt get what you need and maybe you get a few fun things that you're like oh this is just it just kills me seeing them in these little pumas or whatever. <laughs> but I think you can really be cost conscious in the clothing area because there's so much you can get for discount or, you know, hand-me-down. Yeah. I think just one other broad category would just be kind of, we'll call it maybe uh, extracurricular leisure 
you know, your your fund budget because mm-hmm. you know you're probably yeah. going to want to do things where maybe they're involved in some type of sports or activity like gymnastics, swimming, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. or getting you know memberships to the zoo or you know, the park district or something um, where you guys are involved and, and kids love those activities and so you'll want to keep in mind that allocate some some funding to that too. Absolutely. We've had many years where we were on lockdown mode budget is what I always called it. And so we found all the free things. I mean, there's so many good things like with your park district or the library, if you um, check around. So even if you're on a very tight budget, you can still find things to do. You don't have to just sit at home. Um, There's a lot of options, wonderful parks, so many things. Keep that in mind. What about when we first bring a, a baby or a child home, who's staying home to raise this child or what alternative are we going to explore with with child care? I mean, that's a huge decision to make. Yeah, so one of those categories in this, the kind of the cash flow issues was are you or your partner going to be taking any leave, you know, is that, whether that's maternity or paternity leave, what's the payment status, if any, on that? Um, because that can really kind of, I mean, it's going to directly impact the, the budget because if, if you have a period of that where you're being unpaid, Mm-hmm. Um, how do you have you planned for that up front? Maybe that's something you thought about and you said, okay, I, I'm gonna work some overtime to, to bank some extra money or um, just over time you've been saving up a kind of separate emergency fund, so to speak, to kind of get you through that period of when when you're not going to be working and not getting paid. But then the, the bigger situation of is someone going to kind of leave the workforce? Yep. Uh, to Stay be, home. you know, there to raise the children. Uh, obviously, that's a much more substantial uh, change in the cash flow, and so wanting to go through probably a deep dive on everything and say, hey, this is this is what that situation would look like. Yeah. Um, can we truly can afford we can that? truly afford that? Yeah, that's um, huge. And and that's difficult a difficult choice too to say. I, I know a lot of times, especially the moms, kind of being torn of you know wanting to be the mom figure, but if they want to be, you know, a provider as well. And it's, you know, more and more often that you're finding that you could have, you know, the mom being the breadwinner, being the higher earner. And so then that makes the decision even more impactful. And so to figure out some sort of a balance between that. I remember when we had our third and there wasn't any maternity leave. So I had to take short-term disability and I only had the six weeks and that was just such a hard experience mm. because you know at six weeks you're just really not ready I wasn't ready I should say to go back and it was kind of a felt like you just had to to make it make it happen so that was that was difficult so I think going back to the planning conversation if you know you're in the the thought process of we're adapting we're having a child making sure you're really allocating enough to save for that for that time frame we were in a different situation. That was when Mike was in school, and so there really wasn't any extra saving that we could do because we were already over-allocating <laughs> to, to everything uh, with his school. So I think it's just it's a good thing to be prepared as best you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then what if you need to have your child in daycare? I mean, the costs of daycare now uh, are averaging over $9,000 a year. And that's per child. Sometimes you'll get a group discount if you have more than one. Uh, but that, yeah, this can be really um, a big decision and may not be something that you realize ahead of the ahead of time. And some people even have a hard time getting into a daycare. Right. That's another consideration. It's like you had to put your name on the waiting list three years ago. I wasn't even pregnant then. Right. Like what? Yeah, we just <laughs> dealt with 
getting into, I mean, I, we, we call it school. I mean, I would call it preschool. Um, but yeah, just the fact of trying to find a place that has an open space can be challenging. So you do have to have some for, foresight on that and say, hey, if this is something we're going to need, you know, starting to get on wait lists, calling mm-hmm. around. But also having the internal conversation with yourself of, do you look for maybe just an in-home service where mm-hmm. someone's just, you know, watching a few kids? Or do you go to a actual business type setting where it's a large classroom type setting where, you know, and there's a there's a rule like how many square feet there has to be for each, each, child. each child. But, mm-hmm. you know, there can be close to 20 kids in a, yep. in a class. And I don't know if this is... A universal thing, you know, when we looked, found that church-based programs were a little bit more affordable than yeah. just more pure And maybe there's type. some offset, you know, provided by the church that they're helping support it financially. Yeah. Because, I mean, we found that as well. We ended up with uh, a local school for our, our preschool. Because we just did the, the short-term mornings, you know, preschool style. Um, we didn't have the need for full-time daycare, so that made it, you know, much more affordable. Because mm-hmm. that's the other thing too is, is maybe you're looking and, and you're thinking, gosh, it's you know this whole cost. Maybe you're only working full-time or you know three days a week or something. Coming up with some sort of flexible schedule to be able to help meet that um, in the middle, because it doesn't necessarily mean that you always have to be you know five days a week full-time. Right. So just something to consider. But there are some options to help you save on taxes with that. So you can do a dependent care savings account where you take pre-tax money and set it aside to help you pay for those expenses. So there's annual limits and I think there are phase outs. So yeah. if you make too much money, that, that doesn't uh, apply to you anymore. But um, that's just something to check with when you're thinking about childcare is, you know, would this make more sense? Can I get my dollar to go a little farther because I didn't have to have that tax because it's going directly to childcare. I think lastly in this topic is someone might actually come to the conclusion that one of the parents, it would be better off for them to leave the workforce because of the overall cost uh, and be the care provider at home versus spending that cost somewhere else. And so that's definitely an avenue that might might ultimately be the the right choice. So talking now into another category, uh, insurance planning. Uh, several different things, Kelly, that I think could be talked about here. So just enrolling in your typical, you know, health insurance type things through. Yeah, as, as soon as work. you're able. I think yeah. you have to wait for their social security number in my memory. <laughs> it's been a couple of years. Um, yes, as soon as you get uh, what you need to be able to get them enrolled, perfect. Because um, if you can get them added to your existing health insurance policy, that's ideal. So there's no sort of delay in payment because you will be at the doctor so much <laughs> in those first few uh, months because they, they don't just check, you know, check you out at the hospital and say, all right, we'll see you in a year like an adult. Yeah. You know, they need to monitor uh, yeah. baby's progress. And, and if, if you're adopting, you might need to be you know, kind of evaluating. You don't know what the background is. Right. And so what's the family history? I'm not sure. Let's get checked up. Let's see if are there any other you know, needs we need to, to help with this child. So, um, yeah, make sure that... Um, that's up to date as soon as it can be. And then thinking about yourself for life insurance. Some people will do a, a life insurance on their on their child, especially for, this sounds sad when I say it, but like cost of burial, that if you had something happen to your child, then that wouldn't be a financial burden mm-hmm. on you. But for your own life insurance coverage, now that you have a new life to support, right. how would that 
continue if you were no longer here. So that's the perfect time to say, all right, this is a major life change. Mm-hmm. What is my life insurance need now? Because I'm not just leaving behind my spouse or partner. I'm leaving behind someone else with a much longer lifespan and much higher need. The one that I, I remember thinking about, well, wasn't thinking about this, but now that I went through it, it's, it's something to think about is before the child is even here or even born, finding and lining up a doctor who's going to be the primary Oh, care yeah, provider. Absolutely. Because I, I remember my wife, we were like asking people like, who's a, who's a good pediatrician? Because I mean, you're not, I mean, you're not thinking about that in, in your own case, because you just kind of go to the doctor when, mm-hmm. when you need to. But uh, um, actually, basically establishing your, who's going to be your, your main person for the kids is something you got to plan for too. I don't think it's as crazy around here in central Illinois, but I think there are places where it's hard to get in, kind of similar to the daycare conundrum where you're having to apply so far ahead of time and to be even considered, you know, <laughs> to, have, to have this great pediatrician be your your doctor. So I think it is something that you, you want to keep in mind. And a lot of probably birth classes or other sort of maternity resources will recommend you doing that in, you know, pretty good lead time so that you're not you know, okay, I have a child. Now who's my doctor? <laughs> Coming up with that ahead of time, but very true. Sidebar, you yes. saying the birth class r- reminded me that we went to one day session. Ours was at Methodist, Carl Methodist now, and it did a good job of just covering a wide variety of topics. So I, I do think that was part of it, was kind of talking about getting that pediatrician. Many other topics, I mean, there was a portion about, you know, or whatever. All the all the prep for all the prep for the actual, actual birth. We were in Germany when we had our first kid, so there was I didn't have <laughs> I did not have a class like that. There may have been something uh, German language because they were very as a culture um, I think attentive during uh, that type of you know maternity process. But being military, we didn't really have that. It was kind of like all right, well they had to farm us out to the German doctor, but we didn't have any additional resources so and just thinking back to that it made me go i never had that i had and to like look everything German up doctor gonna be gone no uh, she was supposed to be there she promised me pinky swore <laughs> she was I the remember, only one who spoke english from, yeah. yeah and she said she would she would be there during the the weeks that were kind of my my target weeks for the birth and then you know i'm I had a, a lot of issues and one of them was preeclampsia so i had really high blood pressure i had gone in the hospital for that and then they were monitoring me, and they were like, well, let's go ahead and induce you. And while I'm being induced over like a two-day period, because they did not want to use Pitocin for people who <laughs> care about the story, it was a very long, drawn-out process. And then I was walking the halls trying to move things along, and I saw her saying uh, in German kind of the, the casual goodbye is Jews. And she says this to the nurse at the station, and I'm like, whoa, 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 where are you going? <laughs> she was like, well, I'm going on vacation. I'm like, you weren't even going to tell me that? You were leaving? But the fun end to that story, um, she did leave, uh, was that Dr. Seuss uh, is the physician who, <laughs> who helped with our C-section, because that's where we ended up. Um, but So I like to say that my, my oldest was born. Uh, Dr. Seuss is, Dr. yeah, Seuss. delivered by Dr. Seuss. <laughs> But yeah, I think it is. There's a lot of different resources out there. If you're in the right area, you have the right connections. Um, public health department is a place. Even if you you know don't know where to start, I would start there. Yeah. So I was going to move on to the last category, um, more long-term planning issues. So kind of future future focused on these. And 
So these are things about, you know, do you want to begin thinking about starting saving for a child's education or maybe other future expenses such as a vehicle, a wedding. And I know this that might sounds seem crazy, so yes. <laughs> weird to be thinking about that this far out, especially if the child's not even born yet. Mm-hmm. But just as we've talked about your own finances and the long-term plan, it, it applies here as well yeah. to the kids' things. Kelly, any personal takes on maybe like the vehicle planning? Because I know you've got... Vehicle planning? Gosh. So, you know, just to go back a step, I would say I didn't plan to that detail with mm-hmm. my children. I wasn't thinking about their weddings or, or any of those types of items. We have kind of the interesting scenario where it took us so long to get to the point where we could afford to save for education because we prioritized other things first. We had to get my husband through school. Mm-hmm. We had to get our retirement squared away. And I, I would recommend that too, is don't put yourself um, at the bottom of the priority yeah. list because you cannot borrow for your retirement. You can mm-hmm. borrow for school. Um, but it is it is great and ideal if we can, if, if that's part of our family culture, that we want to help provide for things like that, like a car, mm-hmm. a marriage, school, whatever um, kind of long-term goals you see ahead for your child. You never know what's coming down the road. Um, but I would say it... For a vehicle, we had a, a deal with our kids. You pay half, we pay half. We maxed out at a certain number. It wasn't very high. <laughs> and we said, you know, you have to make an effort. We're not just going to hand you keys on your 16th birthday. Um, so I kind of like that. It was a little bit of a Dave Ramsey, you know, approach, some things I'd heard him talk about. And I, I liked that idea to have a little skin in the game. Um I think it depends on school. A lot of families have opinions on, do I fully fund my child's school? Do I just want to be there to help? Some people even have specific schools they want their child to go to. And so they'll be already planning that, you know, my child's going to be part of my alma mater or some other school that they have high hopes on. So I think if you're going that direction, it's good to know the numbers. Um, you can, I'll probably put it in the uh, show notes, I will, the Vanguard um, College yeah, Estimator. Yeah, That's a yeah, really yeah, nice one. Um, so just to be able to see, like, what would it cost for my child to go to school? And then you can work backwards to say, how much should I be saving starting now to mm-hmm. make that affordable? I know us personally, we've obviously been planning on the education side, but have not really done any earmarking for, like, an automobile, automobile or a wedding. Now, I could see maybe my wife wanting to do some type of earmarking for the wedding because that's something that her family did a particular amount for her, and mm-hmm. so she might just from a family family type style want to do that but it's not something we've we don't have a wedding saver fund uh, <laughs> well, some of these i think you can kind of flow through your regular cash flow they're not like a like to me an automobile is something you might need to save up for in a shorter window of time than yeah. a wedding because yeah. weddings i don't know what the new numbers are but it just gets High. higher and <laughs> higher and higher and i think that's a lot of the whole thing with having children is kind of setting your own family expectations because yeah. I I would not anticipate that we're going to change who we are as a family and then do this ginormous expensive wedding for any, any one of our kids. Yeah. I think we would say what, what we are comfortable with, what's affordable, and if they want to do something beyond that, then that's going to be you know, on their dime, they're going to have to figure out how to make that happen. So yeah. I think with kids in general, it's really good to have these conversations about what's the limit, you know, back to the um, extracurriculars. So there's a lot of kids nowadays that are in travel sports. And if you haven't seen costs on that, you know, there's there's 
monthly and annual memberships. You're expected to travel. When they say travel, they really mean travel uh, to go to like different cities to play in tournaments and there may be a fee for the tournament and you're in a hotel, you're eating out at restaurants. Mm -hmm. It's an exponential (laughs) commitment that you may not realize at the time. Uh, So it's, it's just something to think about, like what's our family culture like? What do we really feel like our kids are going to need to grow up? And that's my soapbox. I'm done. (laughs) Last thing we'll discuss is needing to, either update if you have one already or maybe get this could be your motivation to get uh, your estate plan in order Mm -hmm. is now with kids involved needing to make sure you do some updates there so one is looking at your beneficiary settings on your account so that if something were to happen to you or your spouse that they are kind of second in line to receive those assets so that there is something there Mm -hmm. to to help provide for them Uh, another thing is naming of guardians yes that is part of your will uh, that is you would name who you would want to take care of your kids if something happened to you so that's another critical thing but just in general looking at your state plan to see is it crafted how you would want things to be handled for your kids you know um, for the state plan that me and my wife have we've got it structured where there's age-based mm-hmm. uh, restrictions so that, yes, there is money there to support them, but the trustee or the individuals we've named to guide those decisions after we're gone is there to have it come out over time and, and benefit them as as best as we can plan for now for something that could happen in the future. And, and that's assuming you're both passed away, both right. you and your spouse, and right. all of the assets that you have currently in your own name would go then into this trust. So it's not like you're funded, pre-funded. Right. You don't have right. a trust fund for your children specifically. Right. But it it's a way to be able to distribute your assets according to your wishes with a lot of safety measures and guardrails so yeah. that, that they don't instantly on 18 or 21, depending on where you live, receive all of their inheritance, mm-hmm. which is usually not the best time to receive a large amount of money. <laughs> Just depends on the kid. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think there's so many things to think about with having children. I know we couldn't have covered absolutely everything. So these were just the main ones on our mind. Uh, We want to make sure that you're informed and you've got what you need to have a strong financial future with kids. That's right. All right. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thanks for joining Kelly and Matt to learn about navigating your financial journey. Your time, ears, and brain space are appreciated. Subscribe below to be notified as new episodes are published. Visit www.palomarwealth.com to learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and the opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Palomar Wealth. Palomar Wealth does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Palomar Wealth is part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be suitable for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider for any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.